0: OHL Hockey is back. This is the Farwell and Pope podcast. Originating from the 570 News Studio in Kitchener. Here are your hosts, Mike Farwell and Chris Pope.
1: In the immortal words of Rangers forward Jonathan Yances, Popey's taken a lot of options this year, eh? I know. I uh, missed another game.
0: That I, you did. Well... They said that you're going to Erie for a school day game. I put in my contract that
1: I don't do school day games anymore. Do you think that we could get it into a league contract or memorandum of understanding or whatever it is we need that they got to mix these things up, share the wealth, let other teams experience the joy of the school day game? Because quite frankly, we just finished one in Erie and we're doing another later in the season in Mississauga, which is the exact same thing we did a season ago with the Kitchener Rangers. Not one, but two school day games in the same ding-dang places. I wouldn't mind if you just sent somebody else. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, I don't blame
0: you. Every broadcaster <laughs> and their mother says that they wish they would send someone else. I, I
1: get why the league does it and it's necessary, but um, they're rough. Yeah, and you know what? I rough. I'm probably overstating it a little bit. I mean, uh, I don't mind them either. I get it from the league's standpoint; it's fine. But I really do think mixing it up with other teams being the visiting team wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, two and and one school day game per season should be plenty. Yeah. Thank you very much. You don't need to play two games at eleven o'clock in the morning. No, I, I'm with you. But the schedule year over year is
0: essentially the same, isn't it? Like, for, if they usually have a couple year cycles. Like last year was much of the same this year, and then next year will be the same. But then the following year will be much like last year.
1: Right. I think I, I've never really put my finger on it. Yeah. But because I remember we, for the longest time, with the Kitchener Rangers, would close out our season in Saginaw and the Sioux. That would be the last weekend of the season. Now we haven't done that in I don't know how many years now. Mm-hmm. Certainly not in the years you and I have been working together. So, yeah, I don't know if there's a set cycle to the OHL schedule where it flips over or something like that. But anyway, whatever. We How, get to was, do two. how was the game? Uh, you're... Absence was noticed okay. by more than just me. But here's something oh, interesting good. that heard, happened. Yeah. a couple players were chirping me. They were chirping you. Yeah, I can't <laughs> even repeat. I cannot even repeat what Riley Damiani <sighs> said about you. It's not even fit for podcast. Oh, wow. But he okay. was harsh. He was scathing in his criticism. Oh, I hope he has a turnover in the neutral zone tonight. I'm going <laughs> to carve him. Funny thing happened, though. And actually, Damiani was involved in the game in Erie, where it was in the third period. And Damiani received a pass at center ice, but sort of only half the puck came. What? Yeah, and it's not something I've ever seen before, but it brought back a memory from uh, a few seasons ago in the Ontario Hockey League. I don't know what exactly happened to this particular puck or why it broke, but it did. And so the puck splits in two in the neutral zone as the pass was coming across, and Damiani kind of stops because he's got this half a puck on a stick, and everybody's having a good laugh about it, and... Jay McKee said to me later, he said, I still want to know if we would have been credited with a goal or a half goal if Damiani had taken a shot. I mean, what's the ruling on that? Nobody's seen it before. I, I don't know. But the memory that it brought up for me is that it was actually the very first Twitter exchange I ever had with now Rangers head coach Jay McKee when he was an assistant in Erie. And he tweeted out a picture of a puck that had been broken into several pieces. And in the tweet, McKee alleged that the puck had been broken off a shot by Connor McDavid that went off the crossbar. And so I see this on Twitter. I'm probably on a bus ride home from somewhere with the Kitchen Rangers, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, buddy. I call shenanigans on this. And I remember Jay's response, 100% true. And I thought, okay, I mean, I'm not going to argue with the guy. I didn't know Jay McKee from... Adam at the time, he was just the assistant coach in Erie. That's all I knew him as. We'd never even talked. And I just kind of let it go into the memory banks or into the vault. And it came out again on Wednesday. I'm like, look at that, a broken puck in Erie. So I asked Jay about it. He says, yeah, now, do you believe me now? I'm like, <laughs> oh. Jay seems to be a pretty stand-up guy. So I, I will take him at his word that Connor McDavid once shattered a puck into many pieces, dinging it off a crossbar in a practice in Erie. And on Wednesday, the puck broke on the Kitchener Rangers, before the Erie Otters, Chad Yetman, in fact, broke their backs with two third-period goals en route to an Erie come-from-behind win. It uh, There must be something
0: going on with the pucks in Erie, I would think, if they're all shattered. I know, right? Right? See, I've never seen it happen before, and all of a sudden, two pucks within a handful of years? I believe the Connor McDavid one because I I just believe everything. He, he can do whatever he wants <laughs> yeah. at this
1: point. I want to shatter this puck off <laughs> yeah. the crossbar and go. Yep. Yeah. nothing is going to surprise me. It might be one of the strangest things, though, that I've seen in a rink to date. Yeah. It was just weird. All of a sudden, the puck's in half. Well, we talked about it on a couple podcasts
0: ago, the weirdest thing I've ever seen in a rink. You'll have to go back and listen. Um, Oh, come on. Though, hands
1: down. No, no, but I mean, you're really going to make them go back and listen? Yeah. All right. That's that's the beauty of podcasting, man. Got to get our (laughs) listeners up. A few episodes ago, it's true, it was when we visited London, and Chris even said early... In that podcast, this is the strangest thing I've ever seen at a hockey arena. And just for the record, the Farwell and Pope podcast available every Friday
0: where you get your podcasts and still awaiting a sponsorship. If you want to sponsor us, let us know.
1: Hit us up on Twitter at Farwell underscore OHL and at underscore Chris Pope. Don't forget anything that is on your mind OHL wise, hashtag ask FNP.
0: Something that was on the minds of many people around this league, Mike, uh, came to I don't want to say a halt or a finish because I don't think this will ever be finished. But the Ontario government making a ruling or saying that Ontario Hockey League players are student athletes. They are not employees of the team, despite the massive amount of money most teams make. Yeah. Your
1: thoughts. Well, I, I got to say, first of all, I have to eat a little bit of crow on this, okay. when David Branch Uh, sent the open letter to the Ontario government, I thought, jeepers, I mean, good optics, good job by the league to sort of make it known that this was an issue. Of course, there's a class action lawsuit that's due to come back up late January of 2019, if I'm not mistaken. But I thought this was merely for optics. I thought the Ontario government, certainly this early in its four-year mandate, has far more pressing issues. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, the fall economic statement comes out, And it reads the following, and I quote, to ensure OHL teams have a level playing field, the province will exclude OHL players from the Employment Standards Act 2000 while guaranteeing they receive scholarships for post-secondary education. So there you have it. As you point out, they are not employees. They are student athletes. This, quite frankly, is the way I always thought it should be. I think that the whole notion of a union got started by somebody disgruntled with the assistance of somebody who wanted to try to make some money off of union dues. Uh, I think the class action lawsuit itself is being led by a lawyer who just likes to try class action suits and get them before a judge. Listen, at the very beginning, if you are going to make players employees and pay them an hourly wage, then you are not going to be funding their education. You are not going to provide free room and board for them. And that's just the very beginning. I, I think that when you look at those incentives for being in the Ontario Hockey League, your forty to fifty thousand dollar scholarship package, uh the the room and board that I don't even know what it would cost you. Yeah. Six, eight hundred, a thousand bucks a month, especially with what these kids eat, forget about it. The players would come out on the losing end of this by the end of their junior career. So I I think this is the right thing to do. I'm just honestly a little surprised that this government had it in its sights, but clearly it did. Dave Branch knew something I didn't. I think that once Dave Branch issued that,
0: calling on the government, I think they had to respond, right? So that's why I think it was in their sights, as you mentioned. And I think the OHL was doing it in a way to get ahead of it, to to get this ruling in place so that when other things are coming up, because I don't think this is going to go away. It was... 2014, there was a $180 million class action lawsuit. That's the one that's coming right? up end of yeah. January 2019. It's yeah.
1: still, still going, moving its way through. Right? Yeah.
0: And then, obviously, last year with all the talk of a players association and stuff, I think it was smart for the league to get ahead of it. I agree with you. I don't think, as we talked about last week, I don't think their employees, they got it pretty sweet, any kid would, playing hockey would give their left arm to play in the Ontario Hockey League. It's or the CHL for that matter. It uh, it's it's not the hardest. Uh, I was going to say job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: it's not the hardest. It's not uh, the hardest. Uh <laughs> huh. <Yeah. laughs> it's not the hardest agreement to have at that age, um, and they're looked after, like you mentioned. I think that it was smart by David Branch, as he seems to show over and over and over again. Um, and I think that the the government handled it well. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this lawsuit. Chances are it's going to get
1: i I don't know I think it's led by people again, who all have their own self interest at play here, right most if, are though uh, yeah right sure absolutely yeah. and and we are certainly biased from our perspective, but I think we also have enough of a track record to say and be believed when we say it. If we saw things that we thought were amiss in this league, the way players were being treated, the way franchises were being run, we would tell you about it. We would, if somebody's skimming off the top, we're not going to hide that fact. If a, if a player or a team is being mistreated, that's not going to be something that's kept under wraps. As you said, it's, it's a pretty good way to sort of make a living as a teenager. And I don't think you're going to get anyone to come out and
0: tell you otherwise. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. You're not going to get an active player to come out and be like, yeah, I think we're employees. Because guess what happens? Your career's over. You're blackballed
1: in the league. You're blackballed at the next level in pro hockey. If we get one message from Glenn Gumbly about this, I am blaming you. Why? Because I don't want any more of those messages.
0: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want any more of those messages. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's a. It's something that. As it sounds weird to say that we're talking about it, because because I don't think there's anything more to say. Like it's just a, it's an attempt that's an ongoing failed attempt. It's not going to happen. Concentrate on something else. I don't know unless you're gonna unless you're gonna get a whole team coming out or a superstar in this league coming out. It's not going to get any legs. It's over. They're student athletes. It is what it is you're going to have to fight this battle in one city and then one and then one league and then the whole CHL like it, it
1: no and that's what makes this decision or messaging the clarity provided in the words of the league by the Ontario provincial government so important because it it joins nine other jurisdictions yeah. all the way out to Washington state south of the border you know a couple other provinces out west et cetera. so Ontario now becomes yet another jurisdiction that views these athletes in this way as non-employee student-athletes. So that just adds more weight to the side that you and I seem to fall on. And
0: most people do, I think. Uh, Using that term student-athletes is a perfect little segue. A guy who is going from athlete to student. Luke Opilka, former kitchen arranger goaltender and St. Louis Blues draft pick, Announcing retirement this week. What was your thoughts when you first saw Opie was retiring?
1: I don't mean to... He's not an athlete. He's not a player on the team now. I could think I can call him Opie. <laughs> Carry on. I, without being too dramatic, yeah. uh, it's heartbreaking to me. It, it really just, it kind of gets me right in the feels, as the kids might say, because he's 21 years old. And look, whether he was in Kitchener for a minute or an hour, uh, this is a kid that had that dream that was a highly touted prospect, drafted, as you mentioned, to the St. Louis Blues organization, and thinks he's going to play professional hockey. And at the age of 21, like, think about that. I'm more than twice that age. If you told me at 21 that I could no longer pursue my life stream, that's going to sting more than a little bit. That's my take. I, I read earlier this year that he was
0: going to go to camp with the Blues, and I thought, man, what a story. If he can play... I don't care if it's the coast. I don't care if it's the Southern Professional Hockey League, the SP. If he put, can play pro hockey after going through two hip surgeries plus a couple <laughs> re-en- re-entries, I thought, what a story that would be. I thought I was banking on or I was hoping for it so bad. And then you see he announces retirement and, yeah,
1: heartbreaking. It was one of those when you see Connor Hall go down with another injury. That's I what gu- it was like. I was just going to say, put a pin in this because you wait. You wait till Connor Hall gets both shoulders done again and done differently. This kid's not done. No, mark my words, he's not. And I mean, he's done in the O. Yeah. No offense, but well, maybe. No, nah, he is. <laughs> you just wait, though. He's I know, not giving he's
0: up done, the dream. We don't have that on confirmation from the team. I have it on confirmation. <laughs> I don't
1: have it on. Con- I'm just. It's on the farwell and Pope the confirmation. Wall, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Our belief confirmation. <laughs> um, yeah, it was tough to see to see him retire, but and and. Listener, I'm sure like you'll hear in in a moment when we, when we play our conversation with Luke, it's almost like the perfect person for it to happen to because he handles it so well, just like he did when he had his first hip surgery. And I remember when, when I talked to him and we, we had 570 reported the story first, I said, you know, what's the expectation moving forward? And his response was, I'll be in Kitchener in my Halloween costume. (laughs) This was in like July. You know he he always had that that light attitude about him, and I think that seeing him go through this and the the levity that he's treated it with really shows the kind of person that he is.
1: He's a goalie. He's a flake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it's not a flake. It's like you said. It's a tough thing to go to your dream, especially when you're drafted. You're thinking when you're drafted to the to the NHL. I can only assume that you're thinking I have an opportunity to make it. He's a goalie. He
1: hasn't even figured it out yet. He can't spell retirement. <laughs> yeah. No, he's a smart kid. I'm just teasing him now. But anyway. But it shows that, you know, players are using these education
0: packages that you're given. He's been sitting at home. There was a time when, you know, his, his one leg was completely deteriorating because he couldn't use it. He just had to sit there. His muscles start deteriorating and now both hips go. But he's been using that time and the education package he was given through playing in the Ontario Hockey League to better himself. What else more do you want as a non-employee? 21 years old, hanging up the skates. Luke Opilka from St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> well, Opie, uh, first of all, thanks a lot for, for taking the time to chat with us here. i um, obviously making news this week coming down that uh, you're hanging up the skates. What went into that decision?
2: Um, a lot of it was just, uh, you know, like quality of life. Like I just... I couldn't get my hips right, so um, just came down to that kind of decision like was it worth it to to really try to push the envelope even more but that's what that's pretty much just what it came down to
1: obviously not something that you would have expected to be doing at the age of 21. You come into the Ontario Hockey League as a high, highly rated prospect. Uh, you're headed to the National Hockey League. You're right on that trajectory. How much more difficult did that make it? Was it in the back of your mind that you're still a young man and, and you never know about the possibilities of recovery?
2: Yeah, I mean, that I obviously weighed on my mind uh, pretty heavily, but I also put a good year year work into it. You know, I, I just settled down. I just stuck to rehab and just kind of tried to get them right. And then, you know, at the end of the day, it still went sour on me. So, um, so, so I guess just at some point you have to just call it, you know.
0: You were skating with the Blues organization this year leading into the season. Um, when you were on the ice, how were they feeling and how was your body reacting?
2: Uh, and that was, that was part of the issue. It just kind of like... It never fully got good, you know, like I never fully felt uh, like recovered. And then it just started to get worse. Like it, it kind of hit a hit a peak and then it started going down again. And so after that, I had to get another uh, revision done. And then, you know, following that revision, I just kind of talked to the doctors and kind of start to figure out what, you know, like where are the odds and, you know, and made the decision from there.
0: When you made made that decision, how much did you lean on? You mentioned the doctor, but also your family, or was it this a strictly you decision?
2: Um, I mean, obviously, my family was wanted me to, you know, they they were supporting either way. You know, they wanted me to try to give it another shot. But at the end of the day, it was just they were going to support me either way, and I knew I had, uh, you know, school in my back pocket, and I could always do that route. So I just, at the end of the day, I just kind of the decision that would lead to, you know, hopefully long-term health.
1: Let's talk about the good stuff, Opie. I mean, it's not as though you didn't get a chance to play some really meaningful hockey in your life. Is there a moment, a game, something, anything at all that stands out from your time as a kitchen arranger? Aside from dealing with us, of course, you know.
0: (laughs) I thought we were talking
1: about the good stuff.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That That was a high point for sure. But um, no, I think probably my first season there, honestly, because you know going into it, I you know being an American born, I didn't know much about the OHL. You know, you know, I just I had no idea what it was like. And then I got up there and I just absolutely loved it. You know, I had the greatest billet. I had you know the team was really good that year and you're we really uh you know competitive and probably my favorite game, like singular game, was that one game we beat London that my first year there. And then the thing that sucked about that is I don't think we beat him after that. <laughs> <laughs> and then they went on like that three-year just rampage in that one. So it's nice to get the one lick in, though.
1: I remember that game so well because you stood on your head in that. You, you might have, with no disrespect intended to your teammates, you might have won that game by yourself.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I obviously can't agree with that. I think they did, they did their part, but... Um no that was definitely a great feeling cuz you know that's such a good rivalry and I loved it. I love playing those guys.
0: Oh but you came here with uh, your good buddy Jake Henderson who's still around this area and uh, it wasn't t- too long ago where you were back up here. Um how what was or what was it about this area that allowed uh, two guys from St. Louis, Missouri to feel so at home?
2: Uh, I think it goes back, you know, like like I was saying like I just I fell in love with this city. Like I still I still miss it and, I always like to come back and visit my billets and my girlfriend's still from there, so um no, I actually talked to Jake uh last week and he's doing really well. He loves it still and um he says his team's struggling a little bit but he's having a good time.
1: If you talk to uh, Hendo, can you tell him to shave that duster? Come on.
2: <laughs> oh I know, there's a lot of, there's a lot wrong with that. He <laughs> needs a pair of shears.
0: <laughs> Luke, you talked come about on. how you how you had school in your pocket. Whenever Uh, you were recuperating at home while Henderson was still a part of the Rangers when we talked to him, we'd ask about you, and he would always say that uh, all all the guy's doing is studying. He's got his nose in a book the whole time. He loves his school. Is that him being facetious, or is that uh, you actually enjoying school?
2: No, I actually do enjoy school. uh, Ever since I've been injured, I've accrued, like, I think a year and a half worth of credits just from online at community college. Um, So I'll probably go in. School, you know, as a accredited sophomore, so that'll be good. I'll already have a year done, and, and uh, just you know, focusing on school, I'll probably be able to finish pretty quick.
1: So, what's next? What's the long-term goal? Obviously, uh, a hockey career professionally is not in the cards right now. W- where do you want to go uh, after school? What are you going to study for?
2: I mean, the plan right now is you know to hopefully go in and get a biology degree, or you know, with, with an interest in maybe pre-medicine or you know something in medicine. Um, you know, that was always my, uh, like when I was out going to Wisconsin, you know, many years ago, I guess, but that was always what I was going in to study for. So I figure might as well pick that dream up where I left it and, you know, leave the other one behind. But I definitely want to stay in hockey and I'm trying to see what avenues I have with that and kind of see if I can, you know, maybe coach a little bit or, you know, scout a little bit part time. And I'm always looking, uh, always looking for opportunities with that.
0: When can we uh, expect to see you back up and catch?
2: actually over christmas i'll be I'll be coming
0: to a game for sure nice we can pencil you in for an intermission
1: yeah pencil me in. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know you you're talking about uh and I, I wondered if if maybe some coaching scouting's another great option uh would be in the offing for you because the game kind of gets into you doesn't it, and it's hard to as much as you're retiring from your professional play, it's hard to leave the game completely, isn't it?
2: I know no, it is, and that's what made the decision so hard. You know, I I obviously love this game. I put my you know whole life into it. And at the same time, like I'm not better at all. Like I still, you know, some guys I can imagine they get better. You know, if it, if it doesn't work out for them, I don't feel bitter at all. Like I still love the game, and it just didn't work out for me. It Doesn't mean that you know I lose respect for it, or you know, I just think it like hockey didn't do it to me. You know, it just just happens. You know.
0: You mentioned that you love the game. You can't get away from it. You're at a hockey rink right now. <laughs> that's
2: the point. It that's might, what I'm it, saying. Yeah,
0: it might not have worked out for you, but uh, you're you're there watching someone that uh, you're maybe hoping that it can work out for him. That's right. What are you doing? I hope it does. Who are you watching?
2: Johnny, my little, little brother.
0: Um, where's he at in his hockey development?
2: He's a U16 right now, so he uh, he's drafted uh, to Green Bay and Saginaw as well. So hopefully, you know, a little juniors next year is in the cards for him.
1: Is he like a young Luko Pilka? <laughs> he's a defenseman, <laughs> so I hope not. <laughs> that would
2: be, that'd be awkward if he was like a goalie. Uh, no, he's, he's got the same mindset. He's definitely defense-oriented. He's a big guy, so he's got I
0: wouldn't some, mind
2: having him in front of me back in the day.
0: He's got some size, he's size over actually.
2: you. He is, it's, it's upsetting. He's taller than me. <laughs> uh, probably the most upsetting thing to happen this last year is he actually started outgrowing me.
0: You said he's drafted to Saginaw, like in the O. Yeah. Well, judging by this Saginaw Spirit team that we've seen this year, we're really hoping that he doesn't report to Saginaw <laughs> because the, they look
1: good already. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> you're going to have divided loyalties then, right?
2: I. I, I what? Sorry.
1: You're going to have divided loyalties then. I mean, you're a former Kitchener Ranger, oh, but his brother might I'm be
2: not. Oh. There's a there's a there's a conspiracy. Me and uh, the Hopkins we have a conspiracy, we're going to get him traded to Kitchener somehow. (laughs) So there's there's conspiracies in the works here.
1: I love it. I love it. We heard it here first. (laughs) Opie, thanks a lot, buddy. Much appreciated.
2: No, no problem.
1: Okay, so let's just pick up on something Luke just talked about. The conspiracy to get his brother traded from Saginaw to Kitchener. Conspiracy. I don't have a conspiracy, but I do have a trade. Not that you haven't heard. Mason Primo's worth two second rounders, eh? Apparently. From Guelph to North Bay. Stan Butler parting with the second rounders to get Mason Primo. This, to me, looks like a deal that is based almost entirely on Mason Primo's birth year. He's a 2001, but he goes to North Bay. A couple of second rounders come back to the Guelph Storm, and conventional wisdom suggests this just puts the picks in the Storm's cupboard for a deal down the road. That is a very good
0: point that they can now take those two seconds and shift it in to maybe with something else or someone else and get a bigger package. Morgan Frost. Um, (laughs) Sorry, it has on my throat. Get in line. Um, 13 points in 60 games last year for Mason Primo. 7 in 20 this year. Still, as you mentioned, the age of a 2001
1: birth year, that's why they're getting two seconds, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't think Mason Primo's point production in the Ontario Hockey League up until this point as a sophomore mm-hmm. is necessarily warranting the price, but the fact that he's going to be around in North Bay for another couple of years, if not three more, that makes it worth two seconds at this point. And I don't, we, we talked about it, it seems
0: odd for um, Stan Butler to trade two seconds for a guy like Mason Primo, with all due respect to Mason Primo, We don't know what Stan Butler's up to right now, though. Right? He's taken. Well, where's where's his?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we're wondering a lot of things about the notoriously quiet and private uh, Stan Butler. But But taking a step away, is he still making those moves? No, that's a good question. I think he's just taken a step away from being on the bench. Yeah, Yeah. and making all those trips. Uh, But yeah, I I could be uh, I could be wrong on that. More than anything, uh, I didn't look at this North Bay team. Uh, as a team that was going to be overly active in purchasing players, I thought they might be, you know, trading guys away from North Bay. <coughs> Justin Brezzo, sorry, I got th- something in my yeah, throat. It's that time of year. Yeah, I think Some, things start to appear in throats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so I, but again, the, the the price is absolutely right. You're you're yeah. getting a guy on your team that's going to be there for a minimum of two more years after this one. You would think, and so two seconds for that length of service for a guy that he's going Mason Primo is going to fit right in up in North Bay. No doubt about it. Big time. Big yep. body. Plays the physical way.
0: Who else played like that? Oh, right. His father and his uncle. There you That's go. That's where he might get that from. Might be <laughs> might get the case. From. It's starting to come up to that time of year, eh? End of November, beginning of December. Isn't this when all those whoosh, Trade
1: wins, they do. Come in, and the sound effect. I like that. Thank you. We didn't even have to push a button for it. That was all Chris Pope, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. At underscore Chris Pope on Twitter, if you would like him to offer sound effects for your podcast. The Christmas freeze will happen. The World Junior freeze will happen. So really, when you talk about that window where that draft is blowing through, that was your cue. <laughs> <laughs> is is actually. Uh, closing rather quickly up until that January 10th deadline. So, will other teams get into the mix? I don't know. I, I'll be honest with you, Popper. I'm, I'm kind of waiting for the Kitchener Rangers to get into that game. And don't get me wrong. I'm under no illusions that this Ranger team should uh, start juggling pieces to, to make a run in 2018-19. But I do think with the way this team is going... That a little bit of a shakeup wouldn't be the worst thing for it. So can you go out on the market uh, and use some of the picks you have in your cupboard to bring in a player, uh, maybe a player with with size, because you don't have a Connor Hall anymore, and Kyle Gentles will eventually be back from injury. But you know, to add a little bit of that sandpaper into your lineup, or maybe a guy with a with a bit of a scoring touch, depending on what it is you're willing to let go of. I'm not saying three second round picks by any stretch of the imagination. But I am saying let's dip into the cupboard and see if you've got something that might sort of uh, change the luck in Kitchener right now. To me, the Rangers are in, excuse me, what is a,
0: a tough spot because I don't think they can be buyers and I don't think they want to be sellers or can be sellers. Well, okay, I'll go ahead. Sorry. The buy and in... In the previous years, when we say buyers, we mean teams that are going to unload a ton of picks for a ton of guys. Could the Rangers go out and get a steady back-end guy? For sure. Could they go out and get a guy that's going to maybe score 20 goals throughout the rest of the season? For sure. And that's maybe what they do. But I don't think you want to pay the price or at least sell off anything if you are wanting to sell. I just don't think that they have an asset right now that they want to part with. Their number one asset, I'll say it, is Jonathan Yances right now. No question. And I, I think he's, he's back next year for you as an overage forward who is going to again elevate
1: his game from where it is at right now. And next year you're going to be sitting here going, you know, it would be nice if we had... An overage goal scorer. This is what ties in to my point, though. You talk about Yansis, so there's one. Then you can add into that Greg Morellis, number two. You can add into that Joseph Gareffa, number three. Nick McHugh is number four. Luke Richardson is number five. Those would be five guys turning into overagers for your team next year. You can't keep them all. So when you're reading the tea leaves... Are any of those five the expendable types now while you can get something in return as opposed to coming into a season with five when everybody knows you have to unload some overagers? I don't know. I think your point on Yansis is extremely well taken, but I think you do have to look forward with this team and recognize that not all five of those guys can be coming back. Which ones do you want? Is it too soon to make that decision? I'm not sure, but on... On my point of doing something, go R- ahead. Real quick, Alex Lipinov, Ricard Hug, also ninety nine. Thank but you. But they won't be back. Right. Not expecting either yeah. of them back for sure. I just um, knew somebody would be like, Lipinov and Hug, are also 99s. So they are they going to be over. I'm glad you brought it up because I was just going off the top of my head as guys that I expected to see. But you'll remember in recent history with the Kitchen Rangers, a couple of deals, the likes of which I'm talking about. And, and we could argue whether or not they worked out or not. But Paxton LaRue, was one it turned out to be devastatingly bad for the rangers because he injured himself in the first game he played but he was brought in with a younger smaller kitchener rangers team quite frankly to put a little bit of the fear of god in the other teams playing them and like i said he gets hurt but the idea was there and that's kind of what i'm thinking about with this team the other example would be jake patterson the goaltender the rangers brought in spent i think it was two seconds on on patterson if i'm not mistaken it might have been more i think it was two though but And the reason they brought in Jake Patterson was to solidify an inexperienced team, keep them where they wanted to be in the standings so they would get a better draw in the first round because they were finishing, they were going to finish five through eight, and then help them into the playoffs build a little bit of experience. Did it work or not? I'm not certain about that, but those are the kinds of deals I'm talking about with this team right now. Do you just do, you're, you're doing a yeah. tweak, you're putting a Band-Aid on, whatever the case may be, just to kind of mix things up a bit.
0: I agree with you. I think that's the kind of deal that they're going to make. I don't know what it's going to be um, because I don't think you're going to get a premier guy and that's why I think we're going to see them wait because you want to see the going price and if anything's taught, Taught me anything over the last couple of years is that you might want to wait. Like I, you look back to that Flint deal where they traded Ryan Moore and Nick Camano to Hamilton and got fleeced. In my mind, Connor Roberts a second and a third, and then another third rounder. So a second, two thirds, and Connor Roberts for those two players. I think the asking price is going to be a lot higher. So maybe if Kitchener, if you are, but like if you, if that's you are, that's almost the asking price for Lucas Rowe. <laughs> Whoa, sorry, which we still don't. Completely no, I don't understand that one. But anyway, um, I, I think if you're Kitchener, you want to wait because you need to give your young guys time to play. And now's the time to do it. I think you just accept what you are this year and you use it as a building year, not a rebuilding year, a building year to give guys like Sabrango, Valad, Tresser, and Langdon. Langdon, thank you. Um, I, you give those guys the opportunity to succeed, get the ice time, and then next year, that's the year that they're feeling more comfortable. They're a sophomore player, and they take that next step. But if you are going to bring in the type of guy that we think they will, you want to do it a little later because they're going to take ice time away from one, some of your younger guys. I suppose. I suppose. Although, I, I just don't think... There's, there's a lot of talk about how the Rangers need to trade guys like Gareffa and Yances. And the, No. <laughs> like, I get those five players... And, yeah, three of them will be overagers on this team next year. We might see four of them at the start of next year and go with a, a bit of a platoon. But I'd imagine, like, if you're going to trade one of those five or two of those five, I don't know that you can do it right now. And I don't know if you're going to get the return that you actually want.
1: And I want to be clear, I'm, not, I'm neither advocating for nor expecting that to happen. I'm I'm not. I I just think that something minor, something cosmetic, along the lines of a Paxton LaRue or a Jake Patterson, not that the Rangers are going to trade for a goalie, but just something Mm -hmm. that changes things up a little bit. And I I do think that this Rangers team is a a wee bit undersized. And so if you've got a bigger body, because you don't have Connor Hall, he's not coming back. So are you replacing that with a similar style or similar sized player, just to, just to add something else for them. Well, I have no problem
0: saying that they probably will trade two of those five because the Rangers have a deep history of not just allowing overagers to walk away from the game. They want to find a spot in this league that they can play, so if the Rangers know which overage uh, players they're going to keep, it wouldn't surprise me if the Rangers make a trade with, for two of them this year so they can either A, go on a run or B, go to a team that's going to keep them next year which we
1: see all the time. One thing that I think I can say with confidence at this point, even though it's early in his tenure as GM, Mike McKenzie is not about to get fleeced on any no. deal. Because you referenced the the Flint-Hamilton deal earlier uh, and the fleecing that the Firebirds took on that one. Uh, I don't think Mike McKenzie is going to get himself fleeced. I'm with you. And you,
0: you mentioned the undersized. The Rangers have three forwards over six foot tall. That is undersized. Not That's not a little undersized. That is undersized. And one of them is Matt Gordon, who's been out of the lineup with a pretty serious injury for the last little while. The other ones are Yansis and Lipinov. It's a small team, up front especially. They could probably use some size up front, but then you're going to take some of the ice time away from some of your forwards. Your forwards that you're hoping are going to, you know, be a, a major contributor next year. And on the back end, you probably need a veteran. Kyle Gentles is going to come back. That's like making a trade, essentially, when he's, when he's healthy. Connor Hall, probably not. But then, you're, again, you're going to bring someone in. And we're already talking about Arbor Jacki probably losing some ice time or all of his ice time if and when Kyle Gentles comes back. So then I don't know who else you're going to pull out of your lineup, but you're going to be taking ice time away from someone. And I don't really think
1: you want to pull ice time away from any of those guys. Well, you see the Guelph storm starting in the Western Conference. I'm, I'm not as convinced as everyone that the London Knights are going to go all in when it comes to trades this year, although they certainly have the assets to do it with what Dale accumulated last year when he sold off parts of his team. So we'll see what the London Knights do, but in the East now is what I'm watching for and waiting for somebody to blink. And those somebodies would be either Ottawa or Niagara and, and Barry always makes me curious. Always keeps me wondering Niagara. It's my pick. Okay. Uh, London just got another player, too. London Knights prospect Paul Cotter.
0: Another guy. I think the return of Bouchard and Formington um, allowed
1: Cotter's uh, decision to be made a little easier. So it's only adding another uh, NHL-drafted player to the Knights roster. Fourth rounder to Vegas is Cotter. Mr. Cotter! Mr. Cotter! Mr. Cotter! Mr. Cotter! Cotter. Yeah. Um, I hope there's a few references
0: to that throughout London, throughout the year. Should we just call him Horseshack? I like it. (laughs) Mr. Cotter. Um, it i think i'm i'm with you in the sense that london probably won't go all in with draft picks <laughs> i think they're going all in with people they've already drafted and they have the rights to like cotter like bouchard like formanton and i think that i don't or their team doesn't need to be dismantled in the way that um teams in the past couple of years have been with draft picks they, that's not london's way they're going to find deals like the lucas Rowe deal they're going to find deals like they've made in in years past, and they'll get a good deal on someone, or and they'll just add to it. They're not about to leverage their or mortgage their future
1: for this year. Just ask, just ask sometime, and then Duck Dale Hunter how he still feels today about the deal he made for John Tavares in two thousand nine. Just he, ask him. He didn't like that one. Didn't work out very well. No, well, it didn't. I shouldn't say it didn't work out, but they didn't win the championship, which yeah. was the pushing your chips all in idea when you went out and got John Tavares, right? And he has made it pretty clear since that time that never again will he be will he put himself and his franchise in that position. And
0: there was rumors that year that Windsor was even going to go out and get John Tavares. He was going to join his buddy Taylor
1: Hall down there. Now, I've already eaten crow once on this podcast because I misread Dave Branch's open letter to the Ontario government, so maybe Morgan Frost ends up in London after all. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just uh, reminding you of some not too distant history it, uh, it it's it's as we mentioned that time of year it is i love it keep that sound effect coming from that distant or not too distant history to the very near future you gonna come to flint or what between podcasts we will make a wednesday trip to flint michigan with the kitchen arrangers
0: i don't know if i'm gonna come you to take the option again i think i might just do home games from now on i'm telling riley damiani on you oh i i what i'm gonna do Let's take a look at the Flint forecast. If it's not 10 centimeters of snow like we're getting up here, apparently. This is a joke.
1: It's ridiculous. It's fall, it, not winter. Apparently not. We went from, what, summer to winter? We did not really experience exactly. a fall. No, it's a joke.
0: And, you know, you and we've been getting grief from our uh, bus driver, Moose, that we've pulled the option ourselves and drove to a couple games this year. Guelph, London and uh, getting the grief from him. Hey, if there's snow on the ground, I'm hopping on the bus. I I want no part of it. No part of it. Just crank up the heat and leave me alone. I hate the
1: winter. You and me both. And yet here we are following around this glorious game. Flint midweek. And then we'll have another edition of the Farwell and Pope podcast. I'm
0: Farwell. And I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope podcast. This has been the Farwell and Pope podcast. Posted weekly. If you have questions, topics, or a story you would like to be covered, simply email Mike at five seventy news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the five seventy news studio in Kitchener. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast.